This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Romero is set at the belt. Oh, pitch. He's struck it out swinging. Ball game over. Yankees win. Oh, Yankees win. No, it's not. Got it. Mike Messina has struck out 12. Episode 29 of the Bomber Brothers Podcast, Sean and Ryan with you, and we have a guest this week, Robert Pimpsner of Pinstripe Prospects, will be on to talk about the return package for the Sonny Gray trade, the uh, Yankees' involvement in Baseball Prospectus' new Top 101 Prospects list, and plenty more, but first, Sean, obviously we have some uh, big Yankee news and some happy news. First, First of all, the Yankees went out and got another reliever. And Adam Odovino, that was almost right after we recorded last week, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, I, I think we both like that signing. But elsewhere, finally, Mike Mussina gets into the Hall of Fame, and already we're ecstatic about that, and he's well-deserving. But then shortly after that, you find out that the most obvious news is that Mariano Rivera gets in, but... He is also the first Yankee to go in, or sorry, the first player ever to go in with 100% of the votes. Absolutely. Um, When you factor in Odovino, the gray trade, because I hate him. um, (laughs) I hate the strong word. I dislike him. And what happened with the Hall of Fame vote, I would say this is probably the best week of the offseason in terms of uh, emotions for for me. I don't know if you're in the same boat, but um, I was – you know, I know that you were working at the time, but I got off work right at five. I was working from home on Tuesday, decorated the den with my Mo jersey and got ready for the announcement. Uh, I know you were working, but what was um, what was it like for you? Uh, I know I was texting you, so maybe I was the one that told you or if you found out on Twitter first. But what was it like for you when you both found out when Moose got in and when you found out? Obviously, we knew Rivera was getting in, but when Brian Kenny asks the question, you know, did he get unanimous? And the guy from the Hall of Fame says, yes. What were those two reactions for you like? Well, I was a little frustrated at first because, yes, I was at work. I was covering a a basketball game up here. And the game started at 5.15. So I was like, this is so perfect. Like at 6 o'clock, it's going to be halftime. I can just uh, pull my phone out because I had the the live stream of the announcement on my phone. So I was like, I'll just pull out my phone. and, And But of course, as they do with any reveal of any show ever, whether it be the selection show for March Madness or literally the anything. decision. Yeah, the decision. It, it happened. <laughs> Jim Gray asking LeBron if he chooses <laughs> Nels. And, and, and it always happens 20 minutes after the scheduled reveal. So instead of 6 o'clock, it doesn't happen till 6.20. So the, the game has resumed by then, and I'm trying to keep track of stats and what's going on in the game, but I'm also looking back and forth at our group chat with um, – with our uh, guest host and our, our other brother Kyle, and I'm also looking at the Pinstripe Alley Slack channel, and um, I think I found out I found out about the Mo thing from our group text, but um, the Musina one, I was I just had our Pinstripe Alley Slack channel open, and then just like five people at the same time, like just texted like Moose at the same time, and I, so I was I I, I was um. I mean, I mean, Mariano is one of my favorite Yankees of all time. He's probably my third favorite Yankee ever. Definitely my favorite Yankee pitcher ever. But um, I found myself more thrilled for Musina just because I knew Rivera was going to get in. And and even though he was unanimous, it was um, it, it was a little bit of a surprise. But it was like, well, duh, like he should. He be. deserved it. Yeah, 
Musina, you weren't sure. You knew it was going to be close. I think he was. I think he finished at what, like seventy six point nine or something mm-hmm. like that. So just over what he needed. So I, I was, I was so happy for Musina. Just like I, like I said to you, just someone who came so close to getting a World Series, coming to the Yankees the year after they won their third straight title and leaving before they won their the year before they won their next title. Um, just had had an awesome career and was just so deserving and i'm glad he's going in and i know he hasn't decided what hat he's going to wear on his plaque yet but but that doesn't matter to me i mean i i could see the attachment to both sides he spent the first 10 years of his career in baltimore so right now i'm I'm just happy for him yeah absolutely i mean he in, in baltimore had one of the greatest postseason pitching performances ever when he struck out what was it 14 indians or or whatever and you know he pitched pitched great for them and really made his name there so Excuse me. If he goes in as an Oriole, I wouldn't care. But yeah, I I was watching the announcement when it happened. Um, first, they announced Edgar in Spanish. I was really happy because I thought Edgar really deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah. Um, Hall of Fame is reserved for great players, and Edgar was a great player just because he played the designated hitter position or whatever you want to call it, filled that slot in the lineup. He shouldn't be penalized for it. Um, but so I was happy for that. And then the announcer, the the guy that was doing the announcing says his knuckle curve stifled hitters or like whatever he said. But he said his knuckle curve. That's how we started it. And I just started clapping and yeah. jumping up and down. You know, my wife, who's a huge Mike Messina fan, uh, came running in the room because she I guess she knew from my reaction and, and she was really happy. And then uh, I had the same reaction when they said that Mo was unanimous. I, you know, I clapped. I, uh, I got up out of off the couch. I was, I was really excited. And um, I don't know about for you, but what, what struck me was I never, I never really thought about how I'd react when some of our like childhood heroes got into the hall of fame, but I was really moved by it. I definitely felt a lot of emotion and um, obviously, you know, like there's been Yankees that we've watched to get in, but I mean, Randy Johnson and Ivan Rodriguez, they're <laughs> not like, they're not like players that we had a, a fond attachment to like Moose and, um, and Mo. So I was really, um, I felt very emotional about it. I was really excited. It was like watching a big moment in a game um, where one of them performed. And then I know we said this off before we started recording, but was really fun was yesterday watching the way they interacted at their press conference and then on the MLB network, just like kind of showing the human side, showing the fun side that if you watch them all the time, you start to see it. But like a lot of, a lot of people don't, if you're just watching like a highlight show. So uh, had, I mean, obviously you're happy, but were you surprised with how it felt? Yeah, I, th- I think I was because usually, um, you know, Hall of Fame season is. Uh, I mean, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy debating the credentials of certain players, and it's it's something to get you through some of the slowest weeks of the off season. But I, I, again, like you said, it's not until now that some of our childhood cornerstones are starting to get a uh, Hall of Fame attention, and we'll be right back here next year for Jeter and. Um, so it definitely added a lot to it, and I think I think Musina and Rivera especially because Mo was not only, I mean like uh, oh, I can't remember that they they released like statements from so many people um, from back in those Yankee heydays. I think it might have been Joe Torre who said you know the Yankees might not have won any of those championships if they didn't have Mo, and um, you know there's definitely some truth to that. He was one of the most valuable players on one of the most dominant teams in baseball history and not just that I think we could all agree that Mo was one of the best people one of the best uh personalities that we've as Yankee fans have been able to root for just because he was so likable and such a competitor on the mound but also so um you know, welcoming to media and fans all the time. So it was he was an easy guy to root for. And then Musina, just a career that people forgot how great he was because I think people were always so um, focused on the fact that he came so close to so many great things. He was one out away from a perfect game. He was, uh, you know, a couple games away from winning a World Series. And, you know, those... <laughs> I think those things were kind of held against him at times, but then you have to realize how great you have to be to get within one out of a perfect game or to get to those World Series. And Musina was just an awesome pitcher who is so well-deserving. And the fact that this was 
this was kind of a battle for Musina fans years in the making because people were putting so much work into showing his Hall of Fame credentials, and I think it's awesome that uh, the baseball writers had, you know, finally came around. Yeah, I think Moose too was an interesting case of of the era that that he was played in with the um, American League East, and you know, at the height of the so called steroid era and the offensive explosion, and to still put up the numbers that he did were, were pretty incredible, and. Um, I mean, he just always battled. Um, you know, that's like one of the things that that really stuck out to me throughout his career was he was really smart and and savvy, but also really tough. And I mean, we, you know, we we've shared the video of when he tells Joe Torre to sit down and stay there. He oh, wants yeah. to finish what he started, and he doesn't come across that way in like interviews and stuff. But he uh, he's a tough tough pitcher and one of those guys that you were always happy to have on the mound. Um, and, and you know. Back to the era he pitched in, I, I think it's only fair to give guys like Mike Messina more consideration and, and those similar to him um, that, that pitch through that era because obviously the stats are, are now slanted to the offensive side. Um, another thing that I'm interested, interested in, too, is that if the voters continue to punish players that took steroids or, or, or were linked to steroids, then I think you have to kind of scale the numbers for players that weren't connected and maybe admit some of those guys. Cause like, I mean, if you think about it on a scale, a guy like Bernie Williams was a dominant player, never linked to steroids. If all the players around him aren't using steroids, I think, I think he has a better shot at the hall of fame. Uh, that's an argument for another day. And I'm just, I just pulled Bernie out of, out of my memory bank and, and just thinking of players that I like, but, um, it's a weird thing. And I mean, we don't have to get into it today because honestly, the vote went. I couldn't have been any happier with the results of the vote, and um, I was really happy. Uh, what? So, just speaking of the two guys, we we watched you know Moose pitch for the Yankees for eight years. Um, we watched Mo pitch the Yankees his whole career, basically. I mean, you know, we started watching it in '96, so we missed part of '95. Big deal. Uh, what are your top top moments for the two of them? Uh, well, I just got done writing a. Rivera's top five moments of his career for Pinstripe Alley. That'll be out on Friday, I think. No, yeah, tomorrow. Um, but um, but real real quick before I get into that, um, just piggybacking off your your Bernie point. I know you were just throwing a name out, and Bernie is also one of my favorite Yankees ever. But while I agree with what you said, if if the voters are going to go that way, then Fred McGriff has to get in. First. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just keeping it Yankees, yeah. but yeah, I'm surprised that he isn't. But yeah. But um, anyway, so let me remember how I ranked it. So I think at number five, I put Rivera. Um, I kind of just balled it into one with his um, 96 postseason because um, he wasn't – that was his – that was his first full year in the majors, and he wasn't the closer yet. But also, if you go by by WAR and other stats, that was his most valuable season, just because of how dominant he was as a setup man, and especially in in the playoffs, he was huge for them in the ALCS. I think it was in in Game One when he when he came in and pitched uh, two shutout innings to set up the Yankees' uh, win, which pretty much set the tone for the series. And then, of course, in Game Six of '96, just him coming in and getting those two um, shutdown innings to get um, to get it to their closer. I'm not even gonna say his name, but um, that that was huge. I put that at, at number five. And then, let's see, just his uh, his 600 second save when he became the all-time saves leader. Um, I think I grouped all of his final outs into one moment just because. You know, you think of Mariano, and he's kind of the lasting image of almost every Yankee World Series win because it's him on the mound with his arms up in the air. That's always who the camera cuts to after the final out because it was always him on the mound saving the last out of the season. And um, so I think I grouped all those into one, except for 99. I think I grouped that one in and of itself and put that one slot higher just because he won the MVP that year. But I think we can all agree that that probably wasn't his most um, valuable, most valuable player award winner because that would go to 2003, and the moment that I put at number one was his performance in the 2003 ALCS, which I still think was the most important outing of his career. Three shutout innings, and not just shutout innings. I I, I was I watched uh, that video just 
the day before yesterday, I think, of all those at-bats, and he just completely mowed Boston down. And that was a really good Boston lineup, and they just they had no chance. And I remember watching it as a 13-year-old kid and him coming out, him coming back into the dugout from the mound as they headed to the bottom of the 11th and thinking, well, if the Yankees don't score, he's probably going to go back out there and shut them down again so they'll have another chance. And they didn't because of Aaron Boone, but I still think that that was Rivera's best performance of his career. And I can easily see why he would uh, run to the mound and collapse in, in celebration just because he gave the Yankees everything he had that night. Yeah, that was a that was a different kind of celebration for sure. But yeah, I I just to keep it a little more, I guess, uh, compact. I agree with you. Uh, game seven, two thousand three, is probably the top Mariano moment. Those three shutout innings, um, and and yeah, the I mean, the second one. What what can you pick between all the World Series and and everything like that? And another big one for me was was just. Um, Probably his last game, just watching him come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was really special. And then watching wa- watching you know Enter Sandman play, and as he's coming out with Bob Shepard announcing him for the last time, uh, that that was really special. And then there's just so many October moments you really can't pick one. But Game Seven O Three definitely is is the, is the tops for me, um, and, and probably right up there with. with followed by his last game and then for moose it's funny because the top moose moments from the same exact game is the top mo moment mm-hmm. and again three shutout innings um mariano doesn't get to pitch those three shutout innings without moose pitching his because he really um you know i mean if you th- if you think about if you think about that game nothing happens without moose doing what he's never done before holding boston at four and allowing for this great great comeback to happen um you know that that would probably be my top me seeing a moment um i i'd also put up there uh the 2001 game three the the flip play game to you know throw what did he throw seven shutout innings i think it was seven yeah uh when your team is is down 2-0 in a series i mean what's what's more clutch than that and uh you know i i would probably i would put that as uh number two but between behind game seven for for the moose man yeah uh, those would be my top two in that order i mean moose for as clutch as mo was in game seven moosina was just as clutch if not more because he came in with the game just the game was in the balance it was it, it would have been out of reach if moosina doesn't come in and get that job done and with runners on the corners i think it was and he gets uh gets the Yankees out of that and sets them on the comeback prowl. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was just clutch and, and something he had never done before. And, and amazing. All right. Well, um, do we have anything else we want to talk about our, our new hall of famers? I, I just love this class in general. I, I think you said it already, but, um, big Edgar fan, no matter how much he torched the Yankees all the time. And the same could be said about, Roy Halladay. It was uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was never fun watching him. Well, I mean it was actually fun watching him pitch, but it was never fun because when I was watching him pitch, it was usually when he was shutting down the Yankees and because he was so great. And then I remember watching his no-hitter when he went over to the Phillies in the playoffs and that was incredible and I mean couldn't all four of these all four of these guys are so deserving and um this is yeah, this is one of my favorite uh, well, it probably is my favorite class, Hall of Fame class since I've been following baseball. Yeah, it um, it's the first Hall of Fame class where I've seen, not counting the Veterans Committee, the all four I've seen all all of them play in person. So it makes me feel a little old, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it's definitely fun and uh, that definitely a great day. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's uh, let's get things over to want to talk about Odovino. Yeah, we should, we should touch on, yeah, we should touch on that. I know it. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, they they announced that deal maybe an hour after we released our last podcast. So that was, it was uh, tempting to scramble and have a do over. But we're adults; we have lives, so we just had to wait till this next one. But um, what are your what are your initial thoughts on the length of the contract, the uh, amount of money involved? I mean, the Yankees have been. For for as stingy as they've been in terms of signing superstars like Harper and Machado, um, 
the Yankees have been pretty notorious in spending a lot of money in, in building those super bullpens, and they definitely have another one this year. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm excited about Odovino. I mean, you know, you've brought up his slider several times, and it's, it's nasty. And, um, you, you know, I've heard people say that he tailed off at the end of the year. And, I, I mean, if you look at his weighted on base – it really is not indicative of that. Like his ERA has some peaks, but um, I mean, his WOBA against for um, September was 253. So not too, not too concerned about that. And uh, surprisingly, he actually pitched better at Coors Field, which, which is interesting. But the thing that excites me about Odovino is he is a smart pitcher. He went and I know he was like in an abandoned storefront, set up a bunch of cameras and kind of did the Trevor Bauer thing where he's, <laughs> tinkering with himself and, and somebody that expresses like that willingness to learn, uh, especially going to the Yankees where they have all the technology and they're, they're into the player development stuff. Um, which I know we talked about Ben Lindbergh's coming out with a book on, on the way that they're handling player development. Um, that's really exciting to me because it's a guy who's going to take, take the lessons and take the data that the Yankees can give him and hopefully utilize it to become a better pitcher because it's not like he just had a freak year where it came out of nowhere. He actually worked to have this year. So now that he has this um, sort of mindset, um, I, I think it, it'll set him up for some good success. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like the signing. I really I'm excited to see this, this bullpen in action just because also um, with the Yankees rotation, there's still some question marks in there, but now you can shorten the outings of guys like CeCe, who probably shouldn't be going more than, or definitely shouldn't be going more than twice through a batting order. And now he does. Now he doesn't have to. I mean, the rest is on Aaron Boone. But again, with with a bullpen like that, he really should have some short leases leashes on his pitching staff. And then, oh man, just think about how short these games are going to be. Now you have you have Chapman in the ninth. You have Batansis in the eighth, you can have or Britain in the seventh, or you can flip flop those if you want. You have Odovino in the sixth. We haven't even mentioned Chad Green or Jonathan Holder yet. That's uh, that's insane. That's that's I, I would consider this to maybe. Eh, I mean, Robertson's not there anymore. They used to have Andrew Miller, but I think this could be the best uh, bullpen the Yankees have had since they started building these super bullpens and Odovino I think he's going to have a good year and the fact that his numbers were were still good at Coors Field I think is uh, good news for the Yankees and I'm sure that had a lot to do with them committing three years to him so I'm excited I think I think it was a a good signing yeah absolutely I am um I'm I'm really excited about how the bullpen will will shake out but um I'm also you know, I'm I'm hopeful that Aaron Boone has um, learned some lessons from last year and, and better deploys it, so it would make for an even better bullpen than, than last year um, if if he learned from some of some of his missteps in handling them last year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at the terms that they got out of Vino for too. I mean, that's insane that that he signed that contract to me. But I mean, that's that's state of baseball stuff, and we're trying to stay happy today. Um, <laughs> You know, I do think now that you have Chapman, Green, Odovino, and Britton after this year, it does have an impact on Dylan Batances and what they're going to do with him next year. But as far as this year goes, the, the bullpen is stacked, and I hope they do a good job at rotating innings for everybody and getting everybody enough rest um, so they stay fresh and, and a powerful weapon throughout the year. But yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's a New York guy. Him and Batances are friends, I believe, or they were teammates for a while at some point. Yeah. They, um, they both grew up in, uh, as youngins. Yeah. They both grew up in, what was it? The Brooklyn area, I believe. And they were l- yeah. little league teammates or something like that. That's awesome. Can you imagine, can you imagine just, um, you know, watching TV and, and seeing you know two kids that we played with on the same team at at North Ed in North Ed Little League, and then they're on the same major league team. That's that's got to be pretty surreal. Well, I mean, I think there was a Sean Hill or a Ricky Hill that was uh, in the majors or at some point, but <laughs> well, Sean uh, Hill was in the NHL. Not this. Oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Not <laughs> not quite the same thing. Um, but yeah, that that's nuts. It must have been a heck of a team. I would I wouldn't want to be hitting against them. Yeah, that was probably miserable. Uh, 
Do you have anything else on Odovino that you wanted to bring up or the bullpen? No, I think it was just something we had to touch on, but, I mean, this, that news is a week old now. Just oh, yeah, but I, right after we recorded, the, day, the next day it, it came out. But I was pumped. I mean, uh, you know, you saw my texts. I was yeah, excited. But, but, hey, let's, uh, let's hope that that momentum continues and that right after we record today, there's another Yankees-related signing happening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But then after they went and got out of, you know, we did some addition by subtraction um, and finally got rid of the gray cloud that is Sonny Gray. Yes, we did. Oh, Oh, before we before we get to him, I, I God did. Damn it, that was a perfect transition. It, no, I know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean to ruin it, but can the but I just wanted That's to say, right. can, can the Yankees be cool about this and let Odovino wear number zero? Oh yeah, why wouldn't they? That's silly. I, because I can see them saying like, oh, you know, single single digits. That's that's uh, that's sacred ground here at in uh, Yankee Land. So, you know. Why are you worthy of wearing numbers? I, I could, I don't, I could see something stupid like that happening, but, but they, they absolutely should let them wear, wear number zero. I, I agree. I don't see why they wouldn't. All right, but now back to your uh, seamless transition into the Sunny Gray trade. He is it's the gone. moment I've been looking forward to all off season. He's finally gone, and you ruined it. <laughs> I didn't think I could ruin something you were so excited about, but. Sonny Gray is indeed gone. It, it, it got shaky there for a minute. It, it got to the midnight hour, but then the Reds did agree to extend him, and then the Yankees thought they were get, or we thought the Yankees were getting shed long, and everyone was very excited about all the puns that his name could bring. But then it was so long to shed long because it's a three-way deal with the Mariners now. Uh, the Yankees getting uh, Josh Stowers and a draft pick, and we talked to Robert Pimpsner about that. But before we get there, uh, what we were I mean, aside from your elation that Sonny Gray is gone, what were your thoughts on that trade and what the Yankees got back? Um, for a player that you knew they were going to dump, I was pretty happy they got a prospect as, as touted as Shed Long uh, when the reports had first came out that it was him because he looks like a heck of a hitter. Uh, I was a little concerned, though, because you have Torres at second base, and I was thinking, well, does this mean they are going to move Torres to short and, and not – Resigned Didi, like what? What could this all mean? Obviously, prospects. You're just guessing. Um, and that that draft pick too, I was really excited about. I mean, you're talking about a top forty or top thirty seven pick at the worst. You're thirty seven or thirty six. Uh, it'll probably be thirty seven. Uh, so I was I was really excited uh, about that. And then they make the move uh, after that to get um, to get Stowers for Long from Seattle. And I like my odds whenever I'm trading with Seattle. And I think the Yankees do need to start building up some of that outfield depth. It seems like they have uh, a ton of infield depth um, at, at the minor league level. So I, uh, you know, I have no issue with that move. I, I would be lying if I said I knew a lot about either of these prospects. But, um, you know, they are both top ten in both organizations. Stowers was the number two pick for the Mariners last year, so t- a, a pick that's pretty high up there. Uh, seems like a good all-around athlete, so maybe he could become a useful player in the future. Uh, but the draft pick, uh, like Robert said, is is one of the is is really the crown jewel here. Um, you know, in a serious moment, you know, I know I always trashed Sonny Gray. I really do not like him. As if you follow me on Twitter, it's become pretty apparent. Um, I think he probably will find more success somewhere else. I think he's not cut out for New York. It's not his personality. I consider that a weakness in his personality. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has success in Cincinnati with his old pitching coach and blah, blah, blah. But what he was here wasn't working out. It's like the old Javier Vasquez thing. It's, it's just, you know, sometimes you just have to cut your losses and accept that it's just not the right situation. So I thought Cashman did a good job to get a decent prospect and a, and a, you know, 37, the 37th pick in the draft, um, for a player that was really not, not valuable to the Yankees. Yeah. And it was a much better return than, than what, uh, someone like Jack Curry initially thought it was when, when Curry got, faked out by a, a fake John Heyman account when it said that the deal was for a player to be named later in cash. And then at that point, you're like, what the hell? This is what the Yankees waited so long for. They probably could have got so <laughs> many better deals. And Jack Curry's the one retweeting it. And then you realize that there's yeah. no, no blue check mark next to Heyman's name. And he had said he was uh, retweeting it while he was driving, which sounds very dangerous, but sounds like something our dad would do. But... Um, <laughs> Shots but, fired. 
but no, I, I, I like the deal. I think, um, like, like you said, I don't know much at all about Josh Stowers, but I do know that the Yankees could benefit from some outfield help in the coming years, depending on what happens with, with Hicks and, and Gardner's going to be gone. He's already, um, declining and this could be his last year. So you hope that either Stowers or Estevan Floriel can, um, land as a good, major league talent and one of them two pans out or, or Clint Frazier. So the Yankees are giving themselves some options because let's face it, sometimes prospects don't pan out. So you get as many quality ones as you can and, and hope and hope you hit the bullseye on some of them. That's what they did with guys like Judge and Sanchez and Severino. So you you hope that happens again. And I, I am fully prepared to watch Sonny Gray uh, – pitch a really good year in Cincinnati. Like you said, I just think uh, he had some struggles in New York, and I can't wait for Sonny Gray to start the season and have an ERA under two in the first month and Yankee fans up in arms about how they shouldn't have given him up, even though those same fans were probably going crazy about trading him when he was struggling in the Bronx. So I'm sure that's going to be an interesting storyline next year. I I would feel not... I'd feel no different about this trade if Sonny Gray wins the Cy Young next year. He could not pitch here. He was mentally weak. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes somewhere where nobody cares and, and puts up great numbers. I don't think he can handle the scrutiny. Um, I mean, you, you, do not you smile call when you're getting rocked off the mound in, in the Bronx, okay? Right, don't that, smile. That's, that's fine. That, that's annoying to see as, as a fan, but, but mentally weak – I, I mean, I, I could agree that they couldn't some, pitch in New York. I could, agree, I would agree that there's plenty, and I support the trade. I, I know he, his time here was done. He was terrible last year, but there are some pitchers that just don't do as well in a place like like New York. Yes, and but, they're mentally but, weak. But son, mentally weak is a is a harsh label to put on someone who pitched. Uh, a really really good playoff game while it wasn't in a Yankee uniform he's still someone who who pitched in the playoffs before with Oakland and pitched a really really good game in in a, in a series deciding game yeah but he hadn't faced any adversity up until that point that's that's <laughs> what I'm trying to say it's like okay you're cruising along then you have something go wrong and now you can't recover uh-huh I don't know. He said he learns what makes him tick. Apparently, it's not the Bronx. Um, <laughs> hey, maybe he got. Maybe he just got off to a bad start. He he his uh, first few starts saw so many errors, and he was probably just like, "Screw these guys! I'm just gonna try to strike everyone out." And instead, it resulted in getting rocked. Yeah, he got he got rocked all right. I mean, oh god, what was it? A one and two count when Devers hit that grand slam off him on my bachelor party? <laughs> yeah, two outs, there were nobody, two outs on. nobody on. We go into the bottom of the bottom of the first down six nothing with Chris Sale. So go figure. Jesus. Yeah, that was um, rough. Yeah, he, see, he couldn't handle the pressure of my bachelor party. Uh, <laughs> I wish he was at the paintballing portion. I would have shot him a couple times with the paintball gun, <laughs> then aiming for him. But instead, I, I you know I was trying to make sure I clipped uh, Dad as much as I could. He he would have he would have ran out from behind. Um like a wall and gotten lit up to lose the match and he would have walked took his paintball mask off and would have been laughing on his way off the course and and then and then he would have said i thought i had some really good <laughs> shots that round uh, i thought i competed hard i think i'm one of the best paintballers in the league exactly uh, <laughs> so yeah so that's that's it that's it for sunny but like we both said um we really don't know too much about the prospects they got. And uh, we were talking about the minor league depth and we thought it'd be good to look forward to that. And uh, I got to just give a shout out to the ducks catcher our our catcher BK. Um, he gave, he forwarded uh, Robert's information along to, to me and that's how we, we made that connect. So thanks BK for setting up this interview with uh, Robert Pimpsner of pinstripe prospects. Um, you know, I thought, I, I took away a lot from it. I don't I don't know what you thought, but I no, yeah, definitely, definitely. out on the farm I wasn't aware of. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It was great to have a guest on uh, for the first time in, in a few weeks now that the holidays are over and spring training is actually approaching. So we will continue to have guests on in the coming weeks. And our first one uh, since our little brief hiatus was Robert Pimpsner of Pinstripe Prospects. Like, like Sean said, a, a plenty of great stuff talking about the Sonny Gray return and uh, the Yankees on the baseball prospectus top 101 prospects list and we'll just let him talk about the rest so here's Robert Pippen
Okay, we are joined now by Robert Pimsner of Pinstripe, uh, PinstripeProspects.com, and he's also a beat writer for the Yankees minor league system. Robert, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Uh, anytime, I'm happy to be here. All right, so aside from Hall of Fame news, we have uh, a, finally a Sonny Gray trade after Brian Cashman suggested for months that he would be traded. He indeed does go to Cincinnati, and Yankee fans thought they might be getting shed long in that deal, but now it turns out that it was a three-way deal, and the Mariners sent over Joshua Stowers to the Yankees. So just what are your overall thoughts on um, the Yankees' return for Sonny Gray, and what have you heard or seen from uh, Stowers? Well, it's important to know that the number one thing the Yankees got from this trade is that draft pick. Um, that draft pick is a very big deal. It's actually the first time the Yankees ever traded for a draft pick, which I'm kind of surprised at. But that draft pick gives them another about $2 million in signing bonus money that even if they don't use that whole $2 million at that, uh, that pick, they can spread that out across other areas. Uh, as far as Stowers goes, you know, he's a good, solid outfielder. He has a plus speed. Uh, right now he's a center fielder, but he profiles better as a left fielder. Uh, average hitter, you know, he's not going to be uh, hitting home runs all the time. His big, big tool is his speed. He get, if he gets on base, he can steal bases, and that's where he's going to be useful. Right now, a lot of people have it pegged as a fourth outfielder type. And Yankees have a lot of fourth outfielder types, but he might be the better prop, better of that of that crop. But it's, a, it's overall good deal for the Yankees, you know. You deal well away Sonny Gray to the Reds, who I think is actually going to do well for the Reds this year, and I can't wait to see him in Cincinnati. And you're going to get that draft pick, which is really important, especially with that bonus pool money, and you get a solid outfielder. I know everyone was, like you said, everyone was expecting Shed Long, but the problem was Long had to be put on that 40-man roster. So it was either you immediately trade Shed Long or you have to get someone else off that 40-man roster to keep him. And I think if the Yankees did keep him, there would be pretty much nowhere to play him in the upper levels of the farm system. And then we had the baseball prospectus released their top 101 prospects this morning actually as we record on wednesday uh so what were your thoughts in terms of the yankees that showed up jonathan loisega and estevan floriel were the only two yankees they were separated by just two spots i think they were 64 and 66 uh respectively so just what are your uh, overall thoughts on uh, those two guys and, and the Yankees farm system as a whole as of course just a year or two ago there were plenty more Yankee prospects on on that list which isn't necessarily a bad thing because a lot of those prospects are now tearing it up in the major leagues well that's exactly true you know the Yankees graduated a lot of guys to the majors they traded away some more the Yankees do tend to like to trade away their guys in the upper minors and guys in the lower minors because a lot of times if guys in the upper minors they don't have a place for them in the major league roster and that's what's been pretty much true the last couple of years so the Yankees system has taken a hit with that immediate prospect of being available in the upper minors and combine that with a lot of guys graduating so they've taken a hit in regards to the overall state of the farm system but as a whole the Yankees farm system is still very deep I have no problem with how baseball prospectus ranked uh Loisaga and Florial, I think that in terms of prospect ranking, they are extremely close. And even if it was the reverse, I wouldn't even argue with it because it could go either way. It depends on on your personal preference. The Yankees are a very deep pitching farm system. I think in a year or two, you'll see guys like Ron Z. Contreras and Debbie Garcia creep into a lot of these top 100 prospects, but they're not there yet. They're almost they're on the brink. But it's a, this is a great time to be a prospect follower because there's just never been so much information out there. Uh, it used to be there was one end-all, be-all resource for prospect information. Now there's tons. So it's great because you see a lot of different opinions on a lot of different guys. 
Yeah, Rob, and, and that's that's part of the the thing I think that Yankee fans get to get excited about with spring training too. I, I know Florial was up working out with the big league club um, in, in the spring last year. And going into spring training, what what minor league prospects would you be keeping an eye on early on in spring before they do first cuts that that are just there to kind of get assimilated with the ball club? Who, who should we be excited to be looking at? Well, it's tough to say that without a list of. Non-roster uh, invitees, which as of right now has not been released, and I'm expecting that free ceiling. But I'm sure we'll see Florio again uh, in the big league camp. He had some issues last year with injury that really threw off his entire season and cost him some prospect buds. But he's still a very exciting prospect. We really like him. We've seen Florio a lot over the last couple of years. Now he's truly a five-tool guy that has a lot of potential. And if you ask for our head of scouting, Paul Pagnano the third, that you know, he'll he'll glow when he talks about Um, you know, he his experience you know, he came from the Yankees player development, so he he has a lot of experience with what the Yankees philosophy is on developing players. And he can tell you a ton about why he liked Oreo and everything. As far as guys to watch in uh, big league camp you know, keep an eye on Joe Harvey. He's not going to make the team out of camp. He was just added to the 40-man roster. Uh, he's going to be a pretty good reliever, I believe, in the big leagues. He has a big-time fastball that can get up to 100 miles an hour. He hasn't hit that yet, but he's right on the cusp of that. You know, when He was a guy that when the Yankees signed him, he was uh, starting sometimes, and you know, he was right 90-92 with his fastball, and he's up into the high 90s now. And there's a few others that are coming up through the system. We got to keep an eye on Albert Abreu, who completely missed spring training all of last year. Um, but he's on the 40-man roster. Domingo Acevedo, who was just an inch away from making his major league debut, only to get called up to get sent back down again the same day. Uh, he's healthy, and he should be a, a guy to look out for in spring. And he's a guy that could contribute in that bullpen this year. But uh, he, a lot of us still hold, have a lot of hope that he turns around and becomes a, a regular starter. Yeah, I mean, that, that'd be really helpful. And um, I think, you know, you talked about how most of the, you know, that the Yankees have dealt from their kind of double-A and triple-A um, systems when they've tried to add over the last couple of years uh, to, to make the division race push. But um, that, that has kind of left those levels a, a little bit barren, it seems, of the next wave. I know, um, you know, like when when they had the rotation issues this year, they didn't seem to have a starter they could pull up. Um, when Judge went down, they had traded so much of that outfield depth that we had to deal with Shane Robinson in the Bronx for a while, which is something I'm sure Yankee fans don't want to relive. But who who could you see being um, viable major league fill-ins if there are injuries from the um, from the minor league system this year? Who, who maybe should we be keeping tabs on in, in case there is, is an issue that, that could step in and fill in, whether it be you know, in the lineup or, or in the rotation or bullpen? Well, let's start with the bullpen rotations. So that's the easiest point. So, that is definitely going to be there. Um, you also have Domingo Herman, who has an extra option. Uh, the guy I would also, like I said about uh, Joe Harvey, pick up the guy I would like to keep fans' attention on is Adonis Rosa, who's a guy that will be in that upper level of the farm system. And he doesn't throw particularly hard, but he's a pitchability guy. I think he could fill a role similar to uh, Adam Warren if uh, if given the chance in the big leagues. He was Rule 5 eligible this year. No one took him, so we still have him in that system. But I think he's he's a solid player. You know, guys like uh, Kyle Holder, you know, defensive whiz. He could play defense better than almost anyone I've ever seen. Um yeah, he's only topped out of double A, but if things go right for him, he can make his major league debut. And as far as outfield goes, this guy's like Zach Zenner, I think, deserves a shot. You know, Zenner's a 26-year-old left fielder that's done nothing but produce in the minor leagues. Um, in similar vein to him, look at Ben Ruda, who's pretty much the same type of player as Zenner, but is two years younger, who uh, started off on fire last year in double A with the Trenton Thunder. 
And um, another outfield possibility um, would be Clint Frazier. He's obviously had uh, injury issues the past couple of years. The concussion really um, sidelined him last year. But now he tweeted just a couple of days ago that he's been cleared. He's hit, he's hitting again, and he's even uh, requesting a new nickname. So it seems like he's ready to hit the uh, reset button and start over. So, so what realistically do you think the Yankees can expect from Clint Frazier, who they would love to have produce because the Yankees, they, they could use a little more outfield insurance with an aging Brett Gardner and um, a sometimes injury-prone Aaron Hicks in center field. So they could need some outfield depth. So do you think Clint Frazier is someone that they could rely on in uh, what would be a better turnout than Shane Robinson last year? I think so. I think Frazier at best will give you league average. Um, at worst, I believe, will give you league average. Um, when it comes down to it, Frazier is a fiery personality and a guy that I love to have in that dugout that just you know keeps the team in the game. Um, when it comes down to it, if he's healthy, he will contribute. I think if, he, if he's healthy and performs well, there's a chance we see him on the opening day roster. Wow, that would I'm sure the Yankee fans would would love to see that happen. Um, so now going back to the bullpen real quick, the Yankees have always seemed to have a young arm, at least the past couple of years, come out of nowhere and um, and really perform. You had Chad Green in 2017. You had Holder last year. Uh, we mentioned Loisaga in the rankings. Do you see a Loisaga or maybe even a Domingo Herman who can step in and be yet another? Um, seemingly out of nowhere bullpen arm that the Yankees just turn into a stud? Well, I'm not going to... I could easily say, like, Domingo Acevedo or Albert Brayu because those two are on the 40-man roster. So I'm going to take that out. I'm going to actually go with the guy that was selected in the Rule 5 draft by, um, I believe it was Oakland. Oh, no, Arizona. Nick Green, I don't see him sticking in the majors with them, but I do see him that he could possibly come up and be a strong bullpen piece. You know, he's a, a good spin rate guy that the Yankees like. Uh, aside from that, you know, Chance Adams, I think he's going to have a future in the Bronx as a, as a bullpen arm instead of a rotation arm just because there's just no spot for him in that rotation. Uh, there's a couple other guys down the line that I think could help out in that spot in, in the in the bullpen for the Yankees. You know, most notably Trevor Stefan. Again, Adam Warren type. And I think he could be major league ready sooner rather than later. All right, great. That's Robert Pimpsner of pinstripeprospects.com and follow him for any remaining prospect nuggets you want to learn especially with some lower level prospects that could be making noise in the coming years so robert thanks so much for having us on or for coming on with us all right again huge thanks to robert pimpsner of pinstripe prospects plenty of good stuff there and things to look forward to in the Yankee system and we'll keep an eye on some of those names as the season goes along um but uh Sean I totally just lost my train of thought on what I was gonna say but oh we're, well, that's good we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up here but we have to do our our tradition of what we're looking forward to this week that's not baseball related um, I'm 31 years old and I just bought a new Lego set. I bought the Y-Wing Starfighter from Star Wars. Um, since there's no, uh, this is the week, the bye week between the Super Bowl and the championship games, which I was looking forward to the championship games last weekend. They turned out to be amazingly entertaining. Uh, yes. Not well officiated, but amazingly entertaining. <laughs> so uh, this week I plan on putting together the Star Wars Y-Wing Lego set. Um, that That's what I'm looking forward to this week. That's solid. How about you? Um. Uh, our our mom's coming up to visit, so I'll, you know, I'll look forward to spending the weekend with, with her. I guess if just I just don't let her cook. No, yeah. <laughs> mom, mom is about as good a cook as Sunny Gray is a pitcher in New York. There, there you go. That's that. That's a good comparison. That's cool. You guys doing anything fun? Probably a nice little bowling trip planned or something like that. that yeah, that the usual mom stuff too. Yeah, that's that's true. Well, I mean, uh, not the best cook, but she did take us to our first win. Um, we saw Andy Pettit yep. pitch against 
The Twins, um, I believe the Yankees won seven or eight to three that game. It was eight I, three, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I remember we were screaming at the players from the first row of the upper deck, and we couldn't understand why they didn't hear us to wave. <laughs> yeah. um, but I wanted to start another tradition really quick. Uh, we could keep this very short. Last week, um, I asked you about uh, like what kind of hooked you as a fan. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you another Yankee-related question that maybe I know or maybe I don't know about you. I figured that that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, what is what? Or let me. What was your favorite game that you went to at the old Yankee Stadium? The old Yankee Stadium. Because uh, I know the new one's going to be the Jeter game, I, or yeah. either one would be Jeter's last game, no matter what. So, yeah, what's, what about the old stadium? Probably the '99 ALCS. I was just rewatching that game yesterday because I remember Rivera had struck out the last batter with the tying run on third. Yeah. And I would probably say that um, that would be my my favorite game at the old stadium as well. Cool. Well, then I don't even need to ask you what yours was. But no, I like That's, that. That's... I told you it would be quick. Just a little something to let the audience get to know us and yeah. our experiences. Um. So I guess that's about all we got for episode 29. Uh, hopefully something big happens and we, and we got a little more material next week. But uh, like you said, we got some really exciting guests in the pipeline. Um, and uh, I'm really thankful that we that we have these kind of opportunities to talk to them. Um, next week, I think, is going to be a really fun one. Then we'll just tease it and leave it at that. Sounds good. Yes, there will be more guests to come in the coming weeks. Thanks, everybody for listening and congratulations to mike Mussina, mariano rivera and the rest of the hall of fame class we're super excited about the new names that will be in cooperstown can't wait to see their plaques there come come july and um we'll, we'll have to record from cooperstown a, a live yeah we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll i'll get in touch with their uh pr department see if we can set up a tent and see if maybe like francesa wants to stop by <laughs> 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 but uh, we'll, we'll keep everyone informed of that. But until then, we'll see everybody next week. I'll see you next week, everybody.